<laughs> it's a durfin dude. <laughs> um, so everyone's levels feel good. Everyone feels good about that. I'm having a gaff already. Yeah, I'm having a gaff as well. How are my levels? Am I gaffy? Am I gaffing? Hello? Roman gaff again. Gaff again. <laughs> I get it. Acceptable podcast episode 144 12 times 12 this is a gross this is a gross <laughs> and it's appropriate that you're back oh that <laughs> was gross that. wow we just all had all those revelations right there in that moment where every tuesday we get a whole bunch of comics from ups <laughs> and then we come to our comic shop and count them and sort them and file them all away and get excited about them and look through them and sometimes spoil them um or sometimes they don't spoil them and they just say a bad thing happens in this comic book and uh not this time not this time <laughs> no spoilers this episode um and then we go back to our homes where we uh read a bunch of those comics that we got really excited about and we come back down to the comics shop that we love and go up to the big glass elevator into the candy shop in the sky and record a pap cast for the pap fans from the papatorium you get you're getting in on this gross i'm getting in on this gross <laughs> everyone's here for it uh where we engage in a variety of tangents either related to or unrelated to the comic books the comic shop or the comings and goings of our lives i'm jeff and I'm not going to do anything gross this episode because I'm pure. I'm a oh. snowy guy. <laughs> I'm Roman and I'm not going to do anything gross either because I already did. You did. I'm Django. I got you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I have every confidence <laughs> in you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, hey, we're going to talk about some books this week. We're going to spoil them. If you are worried about spoilers, look in the description of the episode on your iPod or iPhone or not Apple product. And... Uh, <laughs> You can see what books we're going to read, and you can skip ahead to the timestamp of anything that you would want to avoid. Jangle, what do we got? Well, I was going to say that this week's spoilers. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I think that one really needed the visual aid with it. it made me feel like a six-year-old again. Uh, this week's spoilers are sponsored by... Acme fart powder. Oh. The grossest fart powder there is. <laughs> it tastes like dookie. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Superman Year One, number two, Batman, number 77, Daredevil, number 10, Transformers 84, number zero. That's a shit show to say. <laughs> okay. 84 zero. Yeah. You're killing it, though. <laughs> uh, Jane Foster Valkyrie, number two. What is that? Strays? Strayed. Strayed. Strayed, number one. And Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number two. There's no number Schlees in here. No, but there was a fuck ton last week. Well, well there was like two or monsters. three. I was editing it, and I was like, man, look at all these Schlees. <laughs> um, at least two, but I think Sherman <coughs> Schlee. Jeff. Yeah. What? If somebody asks you what our podcast is about, what mm-hmm. do you say? Well, I say it's about snacks, but we oh. talk about comics. Oh, that doesn't match our new logo at all. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's about snacks. Hang on. Roman, what what do you say when someone says, what's your podcast about? 
I say it's about an hour and 40 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, We're I say, not I, playing <laughs> your game. Zing, zing, zing. <laughs> no, I say it's about... It's about, it's about time you listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, about the, it's about some of this week's new comics that we review. Talk about. All right. Well, none of that fits in one word balloon each. So uh, look at our new logo. It's probably on there by now. Is it going to be on the, uh, this <laughs> podcast that gets posted? I think so. Ron I, Ron just sent me a final version that I haven't looked at. Nice. Um, also, by the time this podcast goes up, the Final Crisis podcast will be up. Sure. I Hey, I started it this morning. I, I'm, I'm, that was a sincere sure. I, hey, listen, I've heard you uh, patronize me before. <laughs> Every day uh, in, in my patronize. dreams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, speaking of patronizing, let's talk about Superman Year One by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Okay, and Batman number 77. Tell me on this book. What what did you think about this? That's a dirty trick, Jeff. I got to sell you on this. What what (laughs) is this book, you guys? Man, so, all right, so this book basically follows Superman in boot camp for the Navy. Where you would expect to find a Superman story. Right. Superman um, talking about how much he likes the violence. Yeah, and then he jumps in the water because he heard a siren song and ends the mermaids. up in Atlantis, trying to trying to do it with a fish lady. He does. He doesn't care about Lana at all anymore. And fighting a kraken, and he decides maybe he's going to stay down there. The only thought I really remember having when I was reading this was this feels like two issues. Like the first yeah, half is him separation. in boot camp and then the second half is him in Atlantis. Also, I thought, dang, that's a big Kraken. And then the big Kraken showed up after I thought that. Yeah, I had that same thought of, wow, this feels like the end of an issue. Like like almost Frank Miller possibly wrote this as a six-issue mini. And, yeah. you know... Black Label became what it is, and they decided to do three big ones. I, I had the I had the feeling at one point, oh, this is why it's Black Label. And it's when Poseidon, the god, the, the king of Atlantis, oh, says yeah. that he's going to fuck his daughter. Yeah. Like, I thought that was kind of gross. Um, you will take your mother's place in every respect. Yeah. I was like, oh, there it is. We Spring got the Miller. R rating we were looking for. Thanks a lot, dickhead. Dude. Yeah. Um, Roma, what did you think about this? Um, <clears throat> I thought it was again the 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 caveat that this is not regular Superman, Miller vs Superman. I thought it was an interesting thing having Clark decide to see the world rather than explore, enlist in the military, and and I thought it was interesting he doesn't try and really cover up his abilities. I mean, he doesn't do the like stumbling like awkward Clark Kent thing. He's just like they've noticed right away he never misses a shot. So like, well. This kid would make a great sniper. Let's put him in that kind of training. And they all see he never gets tired and he doesn't really have to exert himself. So that was kind of interesting. I thought it was weird that he was, considering who his parents are, that he was he was like, yeah, I like this power and then the, the, and, the and, and this, and, you know, this violence and stuff. And he, he does reach a point where, you know, he's like, well, wait, my, my buddies are shooting people, killing people here. This ain't This ain't quite right. I don't <clears throat> like this take on Superman very much. But what like, do you really think of it, Jeff? So that's what I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get that. Okay. Oh. And uh, I don't. I don't love this. 
camera angle of Superman. But I don't think it's a poorly done comic. I don't love Frank Miller's writing, and it is very Frank Millery, like the staccato writing and the, the, the short sentences. But it does make sense to me. Like, it, it sounds like the voice of somebody who has contempt for Superman because they don't like how many powers like Superman has. Like the way that he's sort of talking <clears throat> about, Frank Miller has on record said he's never really been a, a huge Superman fan. And this to me kind of made sense of that. It really, it all that to say, I think Frank Miller is trying to write the origin for how he views Superman, but he views Superman from sort of a paranoid, resentful standpoint, I feel like. Like there's a degree of contempt there um, like he assumes that Superman has some contempt for us or something. I, right. Th- there's just there's a because he would. Yeah, exactly. It felt consistent. Like it, it felt like this is sort of Frank Miller's view of Superman. It didn't feel like a poorly written comic book. It was just coming from an angle that I don't love or or like. I, I want Superman to be the thing that is perfect. I want it to be the impossible standard to live up to. So what I don't mm-hmm. particularly need is a story about how he is fallible and goes through all these same things. I think that he exists to be the thing that is free from that. The second half of it has a very different tone than the first half, and it, it is sort of like silly, these scenes of like Superman donning his cape as he's walking on the ocean floor to like, like, why this, aren't you swimming, dude? Yeah, or just, like, why Why are you now in love with this mermaid when you were in love with Lana? Like, within she's the last siren, three months. Well, for sure. To be fair. Yeah, she's she's yeah, it's bamboozled her. him. Yeah, and that sounds like Frank Miller, Frank Miller's perspective of women. women. And he yeah. made sure to put some terrorists in there on the boat yep. as well. Like, it's yep. just, like, it's very, like, oh, God, when do we... I'm going to pretend that this is a, a uh, an origin <clears throat> for the Plutonian... Well, I'm watching, irredeemable. I'm watching The Boys. I just finished watching The Boys. And yeah, it, that's why I kept having, while I was trying to struggle to remember what he said in here, I kept remembering scenes from The Boys because it, it really, it feels like <clears throat> Frank Miller sort of yeah. views Superman the way that that uh, main character, The Boys, is, is portrayed. I have not read The Homelander? Boys. Homelander, thank yeah. you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is, I mean, I have to preface before I read this thinking, okay, this is Miller versus Superman. It's not... It's not, you know, Superman I love. You know, a couple <laughs> weeks ago when we read Berserker Unbound, Django, and yeah. uh, you know how you said, like, yeah, it ended exactly where I would expect the first issue of this series to end? <laughs> yeah. Um, if someone had asked me where I thought issue two of Superman year one was going to end, it would definitely not be Clark deciding to give up living on Earth and deciding to live beneath <laughs> the seas of Atlantis with his new squeeze. So we can fuck. Yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, you have three issues? Three issues, and this is what you chose to talk about? Wait, is that how it is? Yeah. I thought it was a really oh, interesting yeah. choice to have him fight a Kraken, yeah. shrug it off, and then Poseidon to be like, nah, we just need a bigger Kraken. Yeah. <laughs> what the, what, like, give me a squid? Octopus or, like, a bunch of sharks? Well, I was reading and I had the the feeling that, like, Frank Miller was, like, had the realization of, if I write all of these words, they'll read them. Like, 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 I'll have drill sergeants yell stuff and then I'll I'll make all of those speech bubbles doubled so (laughs) everyone has to read them all. That was so weird. I can do that and they'll read it. So what do you guys give it? Give it a seven. Give it a five and a half. I'll give it a six. 
That's all over the map. What, okay. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact Lori Lamaris is back, you know, Superman's first girlfriend after Lana. Oh, what? Yeah, she, the, the mermaid. Oh. Frank brought her back. She's an actual from the Silver Age Superman's well, girlfriend. Okay. You got caviar on our faces now, Jeff. That makes, that's way better because I'm just sitting here like, But she was why? much nicer in the Silver Age. She wasn't, well, but she wasn't the, a siren. I thought he was just pulling us out of nowhere. Oh, no. Which, okay, now Jeff's got a bunch of breakfast on his face. Well, no, no, not at all. <clears throat> I'm glad that we started there because I got my giggles out. But but let's thread the needle here. Let's, let's, let's connect the dots. The real big thing that happened this week was Batman 77, Tom King, Mikkel, Janine, Tony Daniel, Jordi Belair, Timo Mori. Spoiler alert. <clears throat> big spoiler spoilers. alert. Big spoiler alert. Actually, a, a small, small aside. I had to use my stern voice, like I had to slap a child's hand on Monday or on Wednesday morning, like ten minutes into the day, when somebody blurted out very loud the big spoiler of this Batman issue, and just like, don't don't be allowed about a spoiler in a comic shop on the day of release when something big is happening. Think about it. the store full of people. With the store full of people, yeah, whisper it. I don't like being a butthead, but whisper I felt I, I keep being like, did I mess up? But no, you didn't. Yeah, I, I think I think you won't. <clears throat> I think he won't make that mistake again. Yeah, or maybe he won't come back. That's totally possible. I'm just not that much of a weed guy. Um, Batman 77. <laughs> so now that we've got the spoilers out of the way, look, seriously, we're putting timestamps in. Cut ahead. Batman 77's got some big spoilers. Just come back on it. Alfred's head gets snapped. Yeah, he cuts his Oh, head. I said it wrong. He, no, he broke his <laughs> neck. You're right. Alfred's neck gets snapped. What? what? I didn't get that out of it. Oh, you didn't get that far? No, I'm just kidding. I, I got that out of it. <laughs> He got cracked real good. So we're in this City of Bane storyline, and this is Damien has snuck into the town where uh, <clears throat> Bane and Thomas Wayne have made it clear that anyone in the Bat family coming in is going to get their shit wrecked. And Damien's being real fun and bantery with Thomas. He seems to tr- plant some sort of a trap for Gotham Girl that seems to have worked. Yep. Encasing her in a magical green chain thing. But um, Thomas Wayne beats up Damien, takes him back to the house, and then it looks like Bane just gorging on that venom cracks Alfred's neck. Has Alfred died before? Yes. How many times? I don't know how many times, but the first time was <clears throat> he got killed but then came back as the outsider in the Silver Age. So, like, how do we... I don't know. That This didn't it feel didn't, huge to me. It just occurred to me, maybe because maybe I refuse to believe Alfred's dead, maybe... I do too. Maybe they use uh, scarecrow gas on Damien to make him see his worst fear, and maybe his worst fear is Alfred getting killed in front of him. Why would they do that instead of just killing Alfred? Because Jeff I said, don't want Alfred to be dead. <laughs> Jeff said maybe it was Alfred from uh, Thomas Wayne's world. Yeah, oh. I doubt it though. But I mean, that's <laughs> Thomas Wayne's world party oh. time. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I doubt it too because of the same thing. Like, why would they not yeah. just kill Alfred? They don't care. It's like, Bane's a bad guy. Yeah. It's a weird thing to have happen. Especially, like, this City of Bane arc, I really like the idea of it. It is very strange how disjointed it feels. Like, Tom King's run, I I have loved. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite Batman run. But I will say that coming from the Nightmares arc to the next arc where he was just going with his dad out to the, like, desert was a very abrupt shift we went from 10 issues of this to now okay i don't even know how we got in the desert or how far away we are like was there a plane what to go from that and then one hand reaching up to then the time jump of gotham city being totally under bane's control like it we've taken <clears throat> a pretty we've ve- we've taken a large couple of veers and and now i 
I still love it, but it's it's hard to have make things feel like there's a lot of weight because I don't feel like we've necessarily earned getting here. Yeah. How do we know these last two arcs aren't still like Bruce dream, <clears throat> Bruce dreaming? Because I would fucking never trust Tom King. Yeah. yeah. I think he knows that. <laughs> that would explain dream logic. You know, it doesn't show you how they get to the desert or various things or how Bane took over the city. It just happens. Or like, I, wh- I think you just don't need it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's not yeah, super that. cohesive, but you yeah. don't need to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, it never occurred to me to wonder, you know, how they got to the desert. It's not, right. It's not important. I, it's, I would love some timestamps or yeah. a week later or, you know, like. Anything that kind of places each of these stories in time, and maybe it's on purpose that they're not in there, and we don't really know when some of this stuff is happening, right? Like, we're not sure that Bruce's trip with his dad was before the City of Bane, are we? That could be after. Yeah, that would be pretty nuts to me, but yeah, it could be. And, and like, we don't know exactly when... Catwoman found Bruce versus when Damien ends up in Gotham and sees Alfred get killed. Sure, right? we're led to believe it's the same time because it's in the same issue, but who's, who's right. to say Batman could show up and break through that window? <clears throat> right, yeah. and Catwoman says in here when she's talking to Bruce, he's he's like, I can see every scenario, every plan, everything. I'm sorry I am, but this is the way. She's like, oh, Bat, when will you learn you don't see everything, you stupid, beautiful man, after all this time, you still can't see me. And I think she's saying like, She's she's got a larger plan than he does. I love this book and I loved this issue and it was just still good and and that beat was like, "Oh, damn." But it it also still this series isn't in dream zone, but it's close enough to it that things mm-hmm. aren't having a ton of weight for me. It's hard to for things to really feel like there's a lot of yeah, weight to them because you don't really know how to seriously to take anything. I'd give it a 7. I'd give it an eight and a half. You know what would have made it better? Um, I'll tell you after you tell joke. me what you're... Oh. Um, s- s- Mom! I'll give it a seven as well. The art was a little bit rushed from both of the guys, and why I, I think that it, what should have been a really big thing just felt like a, a kind of big thing. The colors, though. Yeah. This, this page where Damien's jumping down mm. is... I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't care for orange and yellow in my comics. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what would have made this issue a little bit better art-wise, I think? Less orange? More Jorge Fornes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. More Fornes. Speaking of which. So you must really dislike Aquaman's traditional costume. I know. I love orange on a costume. I don't like it as ambient color. I don't like it to be the mood. Damn it. I had a Killer segue. segue. Yeah. (laughs) Because Jorge Fornes did the R.A. and Daredevil, which is our next book, and that was really good. You know what does have a lot of orange on it, though, is the Pumpkins. cover of this Daredevil comic that we're about to talk about. <laughs> Roman. <laughs> 150 episodes, and we are still really bad at segues. On this issue of Daredevil, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, the art was done by Jorge Fornes, colors by Jordi Belair. This is number 10. This is the first issue with Jorge Fornes on art, uh, I think... It was either six through nine or seven through nine were the fill-in artists from Marco Cicchetto. And I read issue nine and ten because I was behind on this and I really wanted to read this issue. And Roman, what are you, what are you about to smile about? I'm nothing. I'm, I'm you just, look like I'm just enjoying it. I'm just enjoying it. He liked that other art. That's what he's smiling about. I like this art, too. <laughs> I love 
this art. I, I think it's absolutely incredible. I sent Justin a long text message after reading it, but the ultimate gist of it is that I think this artist's career, I think he's pretty young. I think mm-hmm. that he can put books out on time. Like he's doing Batman stuff. He's doing this. He did Hot Lunch Special. He seems to be pretty quick. Uh, he's doing work for both companies. He seems to be making connections with writers. I am so excited for his career. Like, I've got fantasy football brain going on right now. I want to draft this artist. I want to, like, I think that over the next 20 years, his career is going to be something special to watch. I think it's, I think it's when, really incredible. When does your fantasy comic book creator draft start? Draft pay out do yeah. you have to like is this a 50 year you do it per year thing? and you pick you, you the scoring metric has to be our we we have to try to be as objective as we can and we have to calculate all of our scores for books from each week of the podcast and at the end of the year we'll tabulate what the average like which books had the highest scores and then which creators that we drafted had the most high scoring books um, i like it so that's the thing i just created those rules right here right now okay i was just trying to take up more time Oh, God, you're so good. (laughs) This book is also so well written. Roman, Django didn't read this book, so don't let him try and convince people he has. What did you think of this? Uh, I got to refresh myself. I really liked it. I mean, mean, this issue, (laughs) this this has been so good. I really like this Matt's, you know, new relationship. I always like his relationships because they're always so... So self-destructive. Yeah, they're so messed up. and and I can relate. Yeah. Um, but Roman is <laughs> <laughs> such a great issue. Um, so he's the new artist, new regular artist. Well, I don't think so. Marco oh. Chiquetto is back on with the next issue, okay. and then it's Chiquetto's arc again. But there will be a fill-in artist again, and what I hope is that it will now be foreign as instead of that that person who did those okay. things okay. for us. I like this the building suspense in this in in the in the. Uh, the the cop room the police headquarters it was so tense yeah it was like watching a fuse burn yeah it was the detective and and matt also because matt's also in the building yeah 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 and yeah. That, that was a really good slow build it's yeah um chip is writing such a fantastic yarn if you will i remember saying like i am i love this but i was a little on the fence at times because it does paint Matt in a really negative way, and, and I've been feeling like these last couple of issues have really course corrected from that. Mm. He, they're able to, he's able to sort of convey that stress that he's going through and the difficult time he's going through without making him an unlikable person. Yeah, I think it's been a good character arc with his his kind of coming from where he did in that mini series or whatever, where I forget already yeah, where yeah, he, the, the devil you know, or whatever. yeah, where he died or yeah. almost did, lost his power, decided not be Daredevil, and now this is slowly developing that. He's going to eventually become Daredevil again. And in this one, he does have to do the tie the cloth over the face and yeah. beat some people up. And I love that he's just sort of the whole time he's talking to himself like, don't just don't kill anyone. Just don't kill anyone. Like, yeah, that's a traumatic thing that now he's going to be constantly reliving as he is fighting crime. Like he's not ever going to be able to not think about that. It's it's his greatest failure. So I think that's a really interesting and important thing to introduce into his mythos. And Chip seems to be doing it in a really, really great way. And Chip, I think, did a fantastic job of taking several story threads and you know braiding them together. He got, naturally, all of these people into this police precinct mm-hmm. to have an event happen. And he set up the dominoes. He set up the dominoes really well, and it made sense for everybody to be where they were with the motives that they were doing 
to have a big thing happen and you sort of like watched it happen in a really logical way and Matt's superpowers coming into play like his super hearing and yeah and I really like I don't know if it's the artist necessarily or the letterer but um I noticed in this issue particularly there's a lot of just incorporation of sound effects that kind of remind me of Chris Samney's run yeah for sure yeah I agree I think that is the artist, because I've seen him do some written sound effects in his art in the past, but <clears throat> they're so integrated at times. There's a one part where like a desk is kicked over and the word like, yeah, crack is written into the desk. Mm, yeah. like, to me, it feels like it's so integrated that it would have to be intentionally done at the same time as the art. Yeah. I would give this issue a nine. I think the art is incredible. And I think Chip Zdarsky, this is probably my favorite book he has written for me. Roman, what score do you give it? Uh, you know, I'd also give it a nine. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was worried because I think was it Charles Soule was doing Daredevil before yeah. this, and I really liked his run. Zadarsky, you know, he's impressed me so much in the last year with just yeah. the level of his writing, his non-comedic writing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk for just a second about Transformers <laughs> eighty four number zero. This. Wait, how does that number work? This seems like. <laughs> Oh, guess Roman, actually, you read it also. So what? I'm yeah. not oh, yeah, just be talking about it. Yeah. This thing, I kept reading, I, multiple times reading it, I looked at the indices to see, like, is was this originally printed in the 80s? That's what what is this? It yeah. sounds like the 80s. It looks like the 80s. But Yusuf Tanaha, who's a, a big Transformers fan, does a Transformers podcast, says that it's all new. But what this does is this takes place right before the first issue of the original Marvel series. Okay. And it's just a great Transformers story that has beautiful illustrations of all the robots that you want to see represented for just a moment, represented very closely to the television show. And I, I imagine the original comics, which I haven't read, but it feels like G1 Transformers. And that's something that we don't get in any of the Transformers stuff that's come out for me lately. I, I've been reading all of them. I, I previously said the Transformers Ghostbusters was the best Transformers book that's come out. I stand by it. Until now, this one was really good. And Yusuf Tanha also really loved this one. So I feel slightly vindicated in that. What did you think about this? Were you a Transformer boy at all? You know, I I wasn't really... I wasn't, even though I did get the Marvel series. Django, can you make a Transformer sound for me? Thank you. Wow, that takes me back. Yeah. Um, so good. That really contextualizes it for me. Thank you, Yusef. Because when I read this, I, I was kept on thinking, is this like a, a new origin, but 80s style? And okay, so it's right, it prefaces the Marvel original series. So that's that's awesome. And it kind of frames... It feels like it. It frames a one-issue Transformers story, like from the perspective of this sort of timeless narrator who's just talking about a warring time with the Transformers. But it doesn't need to go into the politics or anything. It just sort of says, like, war does crazy stuff, and it... You know, it brings out lies, and then goes on this history scene of this lie, and then it says it brings out secrets, and it goes on this long part about that. And it it was the perfect framing device to give us a really shallow story involving all these characters, but it, it didn't it didn't need to put it into the, a larger context or history or po like a political context, which seems to be what Transformers interestingly leans on is, is yeah. heavy politics. Yeah, and it introduced you know all of all the people and. It, you need to see just their basics, and it, it made me smile seeing, like, the original Bumblebee, who has no, like, Bumblebee theme. He's even got little horns. Yeah. <laughs> and that was cute to see. Yeah, so I give Transformers <laughs> 84 an 8. It's just a 
really fun, nostalgic trip, better than Transformers book that is just a one-shot seems to be. And, uh, yeah, if, is, if you like Transformers, then you should check it out. Is this just a one-shot? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize Bummer, that. Right? Um, I'll give it an 84. Oh, out of 100, so an 8.4? Yeah. I like that. Exactly. Roman, did you read straight? I did read straight. You read this. That was the first comic oh, I read this week. Actually, Sean and I read this on the couch together, Aww. and you weren't there, um, which is fine. It is fine, but I'm sorry I missed it. Um, this is written by Carlos Giffoni with art by Wando and colors by Matt Kreutzer. I thought it was written by a kitty cat. Yeah. Letters by Matt Kreutzer, actually drawn and colored by Wando. This is... Gosh, there is a cat, and a woman has developed the technology for that cat to, like, project its thoughts. And it seems like parallel to that, this cat also has the ability to astrally project. Mm-hmm. So the government... It's like all the Superman powers the, from year one. Exactly. <laughs> the government has made both of those two stay in a government facility so they can be using the cat to accomplish some otherwise shady means and the lady it looks like is going to try and maybe break out with the cat that is not a very good sales pitch what this to me was as a writer who has a cat And there is some really good cat moments. Or if you're an animal person, this is like Sean Heezen needs this book. Roman, what was oh, your yeah. read on it? Like, I, re- I really liked it because I like the fact that this, we assume in the future, um, Earth government is using the cat kind of as like Galactus uses his herald to find mm-hmm. worlds that they can go and terraform. Yeah. And, you know, destroy whatever beings are living there already. I don't think there's – I don't think legumes are what they're after, buddy. <laughs> I thought I said beans. Um, but and, – and, and, and the woman in the, and the woman just wants to leave with her cat. Um, <clears throat> and, they're, and they're just using this poor cat. Um, it, it was, I love cats. It set up a good conflict for me, you know? I do too. That's the thing is if you're a cat <laughs> person, it's – I was reading this. I was like, Django's not going to give a shit about this. They're a little stringy for my taste. They <laughs> don't taste Django. They are – they have personalities. Uh, they – I just love the relationship between a human and their animal, especially like a dog and cat animal, but but all animals. Um I have cats. I love my cats in this deep, disgusting way. Like, I am that person who, like, makes out with his cat. It's weird. I kiss his face all the time. His Jan- stringy, stringy I face. I keep looking at Django to, like, be worried that I'm disappointing him and what I do with my cat. But So this is, like, it's really sad to see this pretty well-crafted and personified cat in a separated relationship with with its owner. Yeah, just the fact on the ship they um when the cat gets back from astral projecting on its latest mission, they um don't even let the cat go hang out with its owner in her quarters. They send her away and there's one scene where uh uh like sideways shot and the cat is in it the room it's been contained in and the woman is on the door on the other side and she's just trying to talk to it and just their body language, like three panels. It's, it's, it's so sad. I'm like, oh, man, just let her have her cat. I know. It's like I think that she tried to get out and see the cat, and they wouldn't let her. And yeah. then the cat somehow escaped and went to her door and is at the door. And it's just 
I don't know if it objectively it's a great thing, but the <laughs> art is awesome, and there's these crazy geometric neon colors at times, and it's a, just a weird idea of a cat that's astrally projecting to find resources, but there's also a lot of heart at the center of this story yeah. between this person and this cat. So. Is there a is there a part in here where there's a cat in the cradle with a silver spoon, the little um, man playing the man on the moon? Just a second. Just a second. It does go past some moons. It past a uh, little cat passing the man on the moon? <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm I'm about ten pages in, and I don't see any moons or spoons. There was some kind, of, yeah. Mm. Let me let me write this one out, Django. I love that Look panel. At that page. Look at that like, like that psychic beam or whatever comes forward. And we gotta cat- get Django a cat. I bet Django, if he got through a year of living with a cat, <laughs> would then be super into his cat. Nah. I, yeah, I believe you say nah. I um, like cats. He would name it watermelon. That's, That's pretty, pretty cute. cute. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you just sharing a brain right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Why are you ganging up on me? I, I give it an eight. What do you give it? I'll give it an eight, yeah. yeah. That's a good What score. would you guys have given if it, if it was a dog? I love dogs. Yeah, I love dogs too. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be a whole, do- a whole different dynamic because dogs want to please so much. I love dog. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would give it a 7.5. I love cat, just 0.5 more. <laughs> yeah. Plus okay. 0.5. I, Plus I can, 0.5 for cat. Hey, uh, so we could, we could talk about this next comic. Yeah, we could. Or we could talk about some stuff that normally we talk about at the end of the podcast. Yes, please do. Should we say... Uh, I think you need to apologize to everybody. I'm sorry, everybody. I wasn't here last night, last week to keep everything no. grounded. On the, on the previous and, week, and I don't know if you remember, but you verbally abused everybody. I almost cut it out at the end of the podcast. I don't remember anything I said. You were trying to get people to leave us a review, and you called them sacks of shit. You called <laughs> them, like, fuckers. You called them, like, oh. everything. No, no, I wasn't talking about you. I was... Listen, people. It Listen, wasn't you. It was, I want to protect them. you all from Django. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hide behind Jeff like you always do. <laughs> so, yeah, but you wanted to get some stuff I just, out of the I way. Just, I just wanted to say, like... We have a podcast coming up, and it's going to be live, and it's mm-hmm. going to be at the Shakedown on October third. And uh, free tickets, yeah, are available at the Comics Place whenever we get around to printing the tickets. We'll print them soon, um, but we want you there. We uh, do. My nightmare is being in the Shakedown with seven people in the audience and like thirty empty chairs, and us on a stage. See, that is not my nightmare. My oh, nightmare buddy. is preparing for seven people and having forty. <laughs> and then being like, "Oh fuck!" I, I, Clearly, I a there's plan. a misunderstanding about what this is. I, I've got a, I've got a warm up joke. Okay, that'll be good. Oh, for right now, it, it, like when we get there, we'll just we'll get up there and we'll say, "Oh, I can't believe everybody showed up naked." Oh, that's good, right? Because you got to think about them being naked, and, and we'll say be... that out there, and people will be like, "Oh, episode 144, that was gross." Yeah. So, I like we're in the middle of the podcast. We got a couple more comics to go. We got some buckshots to go, and I just wanted to remind everybody. Listen all the way through. There's some funny stuff there. Also, mm-hmm. come to our podcast recording live at the Shakedown on October third. October third. It's gonna be. It's gonna be something. It's gonna be about comics. Roman will be there. Roman will be there. He'll be there. But yeah, the the whole the whole class is gonna be there. No. We're, gonna, we're gonna bring enough gum for everybody. <laughs> uh, we might even order some extra comics for people. Free tickets available at the Comics Place. We're gonna charge at the door. So that it's only friends there. But I would really like to order a lot of one of the comics we're going to talk about and hand it out to people. To I, the thing. I think that's a really good idea. Um, Jane Foster Valkyrie number two by Jason Aaron, Al Ewing, Kafu, 
Mm. And uh, he's this Arbutov. Jesus. Jesus Arbutov <laughs> is the colorist. Um, this picks up right where the last issue stopped, which was uh, Bullseye uh, delivering what's probably a fatal blow to Heimdall. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bullseye has Brunhilde's sword, which controls her Pegasus. And uh, Jane Foster's fighting him with her weapon. What is her weapon called? Um, who the, cares what the it's called? The all weapon, I think? The all weapon. Oh, it, can, it can do whatever she needs it to do in the moment. So she uses it like a baseball bat. She uses it like a gas-powered mace. She uses it like uh, like arm shields and like wings. Uh, and basically, we, we just follow her battling with Bullseye and trying to save Heimdall um, using this really cool sort of vision that she has now of um, a giant skull hovering above the head of people who are about to die. And uh, so, like, Heimdall's falling to earth and he's going to splat on the ground and, and he's like almost getting swallowed into this big skull that she sees and she rescues him and the skull disappears for a minute. And uh, then she sees like this homeless dude who's asking for money and his the skull over his head gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So she like grabs him and yanks him out of the way right before Brunhilde's sword uh, thrown by Bullseye would have mm. killed the guy. And uh, there's just a lot of really kind of inventive battle things and probably a friend of the artist here running away in the background. I love how all of these just floating skulls over everybody looks. Yeah. But I don't know if Cafu is a real person and if they have real friends. Well, only one way to find out. Google. Oh, ask Cafu. Drop a goog on it. Drop a goog on it. (laughs) And uh, I, I like kind of the philosophical point that she comes to where she realizes that the sword isn't the treasure. It, it, it was Brunhilde all along. Mm. And she kind of escorts um, or she, she pulls Heimdall up out of his body and uh, says that she's going to take them on a journey into mystery at the end. Oh. It's, it's good shit. I don't, I don't like the Thor mythos much. I don't. Like, this is not a world that I'm super into, and this issue was phenomenal. Yeah, I love this issue. Everything you said and the fact that uh, Heimdall at the end, and he's going to die. It's a mortal wound. Um, and he points out to her that, you know, I, I've seen Valhalla. I've seen everything in the universe. Take me to some place I haven't seen, and so that starts the journey into mystery. Mm. Where do you think it's going to go? It's I, don't, I don't know. It's a mystery. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but it's going to be amazing. Um, I wonder... Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, that's like a pretty superstar double writer thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact even using Bullseye, because the previous <clears throat> Valkyrie's sword, Dragon Fang, it, um, it increases anybody's weapons proficiency. And Bullseye's already like one of the best weapons masters in the Marvel Universe. So he's, he's a real legitimate threat even to a god in this issue. That's, that was one of my few quibbles uh, with the book. Um, what does she say? Um, like just the way that she talks about his sword, that it that it improves his weapons proficiency or whatever. Um, it, That's some D and D logic right there. Ah, it yeah. just it felt like it felt like video game patter to me. And then seeing that the whole thing went into a video game battle, um, I don't know. It. It, the magic in it, it boosts weapon skill. And this is Bullseye we're talking about. Like, it just felt a little bit video gamey to me. Okay. But 
you know, whatever. I guess maybe Jane Foster played a lot of video games in the last <laughs> 40 years since she was created. Roman, you've been a huge fan of the Thor, Jason Aaron stuff, and you love Al Ewing. Is this like firing on all cylinders for you? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I loved all that. I love their battle. I love the way she's discovering things about the all weapon that more things it can do, and the way that she goes from, like Django mentioned, being so focused on reclaiming Dragon Fang as a as like kind of almost a sacred object, into realizing, <clears throat> okay, the sword it's not that important because that Valkyrie is dead, um, and that's how she beats him. Just realizing, okay, that's not about the sword. I can destroy the sword. Yeah. And still keep Brunhilde in my yeah. in my heart. And so we're getting the name Brunhilde more often. I'm I think it's Brunhilde. Oh shots fired. Because there's no Fucker. You don't know anything about Transformers or Brunhilde? <laughs> <laughs> Auf Deutsch. <laughs> I also love Bullseye reaction in here when she does destroy the sword because he's like, what he just can't believe it because he's he that's he was banking on it being her treating it like a sacred object. 7.5 on the Richter scale. What do you give it? 8.5. On the Romster scale. On, on, on the Asgardian scale. I want to take a moment to get buckshots from people. Django, you've got oh, a minute and 30 God. seconds on the clock. You've got about four seconds till that starts. One, two, three. Perfect. I read Blade Runner 2019. Oh, you just took Romans. Damn it. Ah, <laughs> what? Oh, I didn't read Blade Runner 2019. <laughs> Just a second. Go. Are you starting me over? You got cut. You got cut from the field. You you broke the rules. Start over. Oh, I read Killer <laughs> Groove. I, <laughs> I read Killer Groove 2, 3, and 4 last night in order to talk about it tonight. Because somebody in the store, who I thought was Nathan Butcher, but it turns out they weren't Nathan Butcher. Because I messaged Nathan Butcher at like 2 in the morning and told him that... I read all those issues and that I liked them and uh, gave him a little quick review. That. He wrote back, he's like, what book are you talking about? I'll have to <laughs> check it out. <laughs> anyway, uh, this number four, man, uh, this is this is a really good story with still really strange art. <laughs> really strange art. I don't I don't know what to think about it. I don't really know how to grok it. But uh, the, the story of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and crime is pretty rad more crime than sex middle west number 10 still a good book kid meets his granddad granddad's a snow monster Ooh. uh the goon number four read the goon i didn't read the goon for a really long time and i liked it a whole lot uh pearl number 12 it's the end it felt a little bit anticlimactic but um it's really pretty i like where it ended and i like the graphic design of the tattoo she comes up with in the end Criminal, number seven. If you're not reading Criminal, you should be. Um, it's uh, D&D based, and one of the kids is a dick. Actually, it hit really close to home when he tore apart his whole friend group by being an asshole at D&D. I remember doing that myself. Oh. Uh, good comic, great colors. Highly, highly recommended that you just read this whole series. You played D&D? Yeah, until I was this terrible DM and... Almost lost all my friends. I want to run a D&D game for you guys real bad. But Django's going to ruin it. He's not going to run it. I'd Did you call it. me Puchunko? That's Django. Justin. Did you say yeah. Tiger? Liger. Jeff, go. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Powers of Ten, number three of six. I loved it. No surprise there. 
there's no easy way to talk about this for a minute and a half, so I'm just gonna say I loved it, and spoilers and all of that stuff, it needs a longer conversation, but um, what is so cool is that Powers of Ten number two came out the week before Powers of Ten number three, and that made sense because they were really intrinsically related. What is super cool is that you're now year 10, year 100, year 1000 are all the years, it seems like from life number nine of Moira McTaggart, which as I say, it means like, which which one are we reading? But um, yeah, they do this awesome thing where Nimrod is being evil Nimrod in year 1000, or maybe it was year 100, and Moira McTaggart, they kept alive in a stasis pod, and they get this data file with everything about Nimrod, and they put it in her, and then they kill her so that she'll be loaded into life number 10 with all of this information that they need in order to just like avert that future. It was a really, really cool instance of being given a future and a sense of attachment that uh, was written out, I think, for the perfect amount of time. And then you got this cool sort of, oh, we're abandoning that future. That was actually life nine, not life 10. It's not a thousand years in the future of the life that we assume that we're following. Um, so those life nines and tens timelines at the end of House of X number two that had the dotted lines, that was just that they didn't fill them out yet. So then Powers of X number three had a super full timeline for all of the crazy events that happened in Moira McTaggart's life number nine. And it was incredibly satisfying. This is, I think, the most well-crafted book that I have read in years. It's the most fun I've had reading comics in years. It's the best. It's the, it's my favorite thing I've read in years. So they loaded her up with information in order to send her back to the uterus to be born again with that information so that she could figure out how to avert this future because basically she her life is that she can live yeah and then die and she's born again but that means that she's always going to be limited by the amount of experience that she can gain in in a normal human lifespan what they did is they put her in stasis and therefore allowed more time to go by and therefore give her more information to, to start over with because she's never really been able to exceed 74 was her max life before that. Now she made it to 123, which means more things have happened and they have more information on how to avert what's going to happen because they kept her alive. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this one forever and I, I would never be so foolhardy as to say that I understand it, but I have a lot of interesting leads and I think everybody else has really interesting leads and I think Dude, that the best comics do that. So I have a good idea. Perfect 10. Yeah. I have a good idea. Yeah. The live podcast is... You and Justin yeah. should talk about those X books together. That would be really good. And record yeah. it and put it out as a podcast. Yeah. Roman, um, go. Oh, my God. Uh, Blade Runner 2019, number two. This is so good. I, I want this to be the next Blade Runner movie if there was going to be a next Blade Runner movie. Yeah. Um, our detective, it's set in 2019. Our detective <clears throat> has discovered a... Um, I don't know if I should say secret society, a secret group of humans that are doing surgeries on replicants to age them so they they can hide out in society just as old people. Um, and and our detective hero, she's got she was abandoned by her mother so her mother could go off world and earn money to keep her daughter alive because her daughter has a cybernetic back brace thing. But she's not a replicant. She just has this enhancement, we think. Um, and it's a great mystery. It's great Blade Runner action. You know, she's facing off against people, and they've got the hover the hover cars, which she hates using, and you find out why at the end of this issue. It's a blast. It's a good read. Um, 
and I'll do Superior Spider-Man number 10, which is a pretty mediocre book most of the time. <laughs> this issue, it's great because it comes out that uh, Superior Spider-Man is Otto Octavius. He's in a cloned Peter Parker body. Um, it's revealed to the public just like at the end of Spider-Man Home or Far From Home. Um, and it screws things up for him, one of which was he's trying to do good. He's trying to be a good guy. He was helping this family try to adopt this kid. Nah. Continue. Um, it's revealed who he really is or who he was. And he goes to them and says, "I'm to apologize, they might not be able to adopt the kid now because they're friends with this guy. And the scene where he goes to the kid to tell the kid, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I lied about who I really am. And the kid is just so hurt, and he asks, he asks fake Spider-Man, why did you lie to me? And mm-hmm. Otto's like, I wanted you to like me. And the kid gets tears in his eyes and is silent, and he hugs Otto Spider-Man, and it's mm. just super touching. Because Otto's really trying to do the right thing here, and he's still arrogant and thinks he's the best there is, but he's also learning humility and kindness. Who wrote that? Jim um, Zdarsky again. Uh-huh. Crystal's Gage. Okay, interesting. Dude, yeah, that's that's a heart 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 burner. Crystal's yeah. Gage has written some good comics. Like he wrote all that uh, Wildstorm stuff right before they ended the Wildstorm universe. Hmm. I don't know Wildstorm. That. that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, ju- he just wrote a whole bunch of, like, not major universe superhero stuff that was really, really compelling. Did you like the part in Blade Runner where the replicant is using a plastic surgeon to look older so they don't look for him? Yeah. That was super Yeah, that cool. was awesome. <laughs> like, that is, that is a conceit I can get behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I also really liked that issue, and I liked how well they did disguises in it, and I thought that the disguise was a really important part of that. And what I also really enjoyed in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number two by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber was the scene in which Superman was trying on all of the disguises for his cell phone. I didn't let you do your scores, though. Oh. Sorry, what a segue, <laughs> though. Oh, I didn't do my scores either, but yeah, I'm not going to. Too late. Okay, shit, we're already here. Now, let's get get those Superman disguises. There was a really cute Matt Fraction drawing Superman being kind of silly. Matt Matt Fraction Fraction? writing him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. (laughs) We're here. (laughs) I don't know how to do the segues. It was really good. Thank you. So for all of us who are wondering at the end of the first issue, is he going to do that corner panel long description of every scene that happens like four or five times per issue of this? Sure thing. Sure seems like he's gonna. I mean, that's just a throwback to the original Jimmy Olsen and, and like comics that had only three or four stories per right. issue. But did it happen four or five times, like three or four ish times per issue? I don't know. Me neither. I don't know. I got a bunch of them downstairs. We could check. This is Django's <laughs> favorite comic book coming out right now. What did you think of issue number two? I like number one better. Oh. What did you think of issue number two? I like two? number two better. Oh, heavens. We're yeah. going to have to duel at dawn. But can I tell you my feelings on this one? Yeah. Um, I wish you would. I wish that this this one almost didn't relate to the other ones at all, except for then it did. And I was enjoying this one enough that I wanted to hand it to Sam until it got to the point where I realized I couldn't hand it to Sam. And I thought that... I'm really liking this, and I I wish that it would more clearly strike that balance of either 
like related to the issues that are surrounding it or not. Because if it's one and done stuff, I could just hand it to people, but I didn't feel like this one could do that. But the middle portion of it all seemed very standalone. Like all the Superman stuff, I was like, I want Sam to read this and see Superman like this and see Jimmy Olsen like this. And then it tied into some other stuff in a weird way. I don't know, dude. The very first or the, the second story is tied very closely to the first issue. And so is the third story. Uh, like, Yeah, but also it didn't need to be. Like the first one is, yeah, the, it, the first one was as apropos of anything as the first issue was. The second portion just introduced and sort of established the relationship with him and his brother. Right. Like, that was all stuff that you could just get without having known anything. But all of that tied in... Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Until until about three-quarters of the way, then then it became related to a different thing. And, and, and that's not a, a yeah. complaint, but it was just like, I could give this to somebody and have them enjoy it, except... Oh wait, no! Now it is connected to these other ones, and and I would like it to be maybe more one or the other. That being said, I, I thought this one like was heartwarming and funny in the way that my humor works a little bit more than the first issue was. Yeah, the first issue was more burpy and farty for me. Yeah, um, and but this one had some really good slapstick with Superman just kind of being Jimmy's buddy and letting him film him do dumb things. But it was heartfelt too. So good. Like, it yeah. was. It was like. Like the moment where he was like, yeah, well, sometimes the only fun I get to have is just hanging out with you for a little bit. And it was like th- that to me, like that's the, the slapstickiness then coupled with that line of dialogue yeah. says so much <clears throat> about both of their characters and their relationship. Not only do I look yeah. amazing in wigs, but if I wear glasses, nobody recognizes yeah. me. <laughs> Roman, what did you think? Yeah, I particularly love that story. And like you say, the last bit of dialogue they have and then Superman takes off and Jimmy's saying, that's my favorite part. Yeah. When Superman launches off. I thought about you and Sam when they had, uh, when Superman's doing baby talk to the cat that, yeah. he, that he's named Pacquaman. Pacquaman. <laughs> I really like the I, shot of uh, Jimmy throwing his uh, Pulitzer coin to his brother and his brother just not catching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Jimmy's throw is not great, but his brother's also a giant asshole. So I didn't get it until you guys were just talking because I was confused. So it's like three. This this comic is like an anthology. It's like three separate stories that continue from issue to issue. Because when he, in this one, when they went back to Jimmy hiding out in the squalid apartment in in Gotham, Gotham, I was like, wait a minute, what does that have to do with the other two stories? But nothing. But they're just yeah. they're just diff- different Jimmy Olsen adventures. Not yet. I mean, this is kind of how the Hawkeye comic was written too. Just not issue to oh. or not not page to page, but sort of issue to issue. He did kind of right. a Quentin Tarantino oh, timeline, okay. and you could kind of assemble everything as you went. So I didn't know that because I haven't read Hawkeye. Oh, you're fucking up for every minute you're not. I know. I got I to gotta read it all. I think it's fun and experimental, and I would rather people be experimenting with it. I don't think that it has quite found its like perfect execution yet. I think that that can only happen once you've spent like several issues and been like, okay, this is how I need to tie these together. Um, well, hopefully by November 6th when we have Matt Fraction in the store. Nice. That's three days after my birthday. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Steve Lieber, you're doing some weird stuff with Jimmy Olsen's hair here. You know, it's, it kind of jumps all over the map from a comb over to a spiky fro to a... It's a, it's a weird huh. inconsistency with the hair, which is a not, a, not an actual problem. No, it's a little bit of a problem. It's, it's, it's Get a, it together, Steve Lieber. It's an interesting. Love like, Jeff Figley. Yeah, that's how it. The scene, the page. So there's one moment where, um, 
you know, Superman's trying to say, like, hey, why don't you come and cover some, like, really serious stuff with me? And Jimmy's like, nah, they just want me to do the funny stuff. I just do internet stuff and silly interviews. And Superman looks at him kind of sad. And he says, but Jim, you... And then it cuts to a page of six, no, 12 <laughs> silent panels of just all the different adventures Jimmy Olsen has had. And that was really good storytelling, really good, uh, like, Steve Lieber, like, way to choose the perfect images to sort of imply a lot of uh, emotional tone uh, to 12 or 11 disparate events. Production note. Yes. I listened to an interview with Steve Lieber. Yeah. He doesn't choose those. Really? And that fraction lines out every one of those panels. <laughs> and, like, Steve interprets it a little bit, but he said that uh, he doesn't have to... Like, in the last issue, when the truck was kind of hopping yeah, yeah, after yeah, yeah. Jimmy, he was like, that's what he described, and it was the perfect gag, so that's what I drew. Nice. <laughs> That's um, interesting. Yeah, I was I was actually pretty surprised uh, when when Steve was talking. He may just be a really humble guy, but it sounded like uh, Matt Fraction runs a pretty tight script. I believe it, um, and and doesn't leave a ton of room for like crazy artistic um, interpretation. Well, that changes things a little bit and puts a little bit more in Matt Fraction's court, which yeah. doesn't surprise me a ton. Yeah, um, because I think Hawkeye is pretty masterful. Yeah, well, but but I think that the fix by Steve Lieber, like a lot of that, worked really well because of him. And who so knows if that's Nick Spencer? Could be. Maybe they just got a guy they can control. And they got it. Yeah, Django. This is this, your this favorite. Like 2019's favorite book. This is your favorite. Ten hundred percent. Ten hundred percent. This is the best comic I'm going to read this year. Except maybe uh, my favorite thing is monsters. Mm. And Batman: Long Way Down. Yeah, Batman: Long Way Down. I have a lot of very favorites. Mm. Um, they Django, just kinda, you're my very favorite. I just I tear pages out of them and I shuffle them together and I read them. When do you give? What do you give? The, Roman, I need to hear some more from you about this issue before I wrap this thing up. Um, I agree about Jimmy's hair. That was that threw me off a few two times. Two orange. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't nice mind. The, no, I don't back. mind the two orange. I'm looking forward to we when we get to Elastic Lad when when he was Elastic Lad and briefly was with the Legion of Superheroes in the future. Ah, stop it. Yeah, I can't um, wait. I love the story about how he won his Pulitzer. I I love that, that as well. That and the Superman bit were my favorite parts. Yeah. Just because, just because the whole Poulter thing—that shot was total stupid accident. <laughs> and the like, the way that he describes, like, "Have I told you about this?" And they were like, "Yeah, you've told us about it." And like the way he repeated that bit. Uh, what? Okay. What did I miss? Eh? How did he get his Pulitzer? He tripped on his own shoelaces, and then Clark tried to warn him because he sensed it beforehand, and then he tripped and took the picture as he was falling. Yeah, he accidentally hit the shutter as he fell in front of Luther. Okay, <laughs> okay, I okay. So it's Did just a, it's just a close, I... grumpy picture of Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. From that okay. angle was the really big part. Okay, cool. Yeah. I I thought I I was confused. I thought we were going to get more from that, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's that that in fact, newspaper image shows up like three times. Yeah, and when they the show it up here above Jimmy's head, is the first panel of that story. There's like I think that blob right in the bottom of the picture is Jimmy's hair, <laughs> and it's uh, it says Lex Lugie. Does it? It does. <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> Gross. That was uh, really effective. Foley. Episode one forty four. Gross. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, it sure was. I'd give it an eight. I want to like this issue more. But I'm really glad that you like this issue more. Yeah, it the type of humor worked more for me. Mm-hmm. It, it exactly it was a little less slapstick and just a little bit more used in tandem with getting emotional beats. Listen, buddy, you and I put 
almost exactly the same order together from any restaurant we go to. We do. Independently. Yeah. <laughs> and I can trust you to bring me any food at all. Yeah. Because you just order what you would eat. I do. Uh, and we like the same beers. We like the same. It's true. We like the same a lot of things. Uh, our humors, are just... they, they, they touch a little bit, but the, the Venn diagram is more like boobs than a butt, if that makes sense. But it's always, yeah, I, I do wonder how you can find me funny because <laughs> I don't play to your your comedy strengths. I just have a large capacity for love. Uh, it's true. You guys should have seen his face when he said it. Roman, you're <laughs> cooking looking, something else. I was else. looking away. I no, you're cooking something else. I see it. Yeah, but I forgot what I was Oh, oh you know, I like this one biscuits. more than the first one too, though mm-hmm. my favorite of this run so far is still the, like the previous story with Dexter. Me too. I love that. That was the best, I think. Yeah. yeah. I was actually disappointed it wasn't in the first issue. Yeah, yeah. Although disappointed, but also glad that they didn't reprint <clears throat> things. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, Dexter, the vomiting cat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, that was the Red Lantern kitty. I might have been still hiding, riding, hiding pretty rye. Sometimes when I got you hang out one. with Jeff, and you go, "Dang, I'm getting a contact buzzeroo." Not you specifically, but people. I've never hung out hung out with you outside of this block, Jeffrey. That's not true. <laughs> That's not, we do hang out within this block a lot, though. I wish that I could see you um, socially. Buddy, this is super uncomfortable for me. <laughs> you know I like you a lot. Yes! <laughs> Got him! You're one of my favorite Sabadoo! people. <laughs> you and Roman are my best friends. I don't know. I also read Bloodborne, number oh. 14. Whoa, I didn't know we were going and more. that was really good. And then I also read uh, Blade Runner 2019, number two, and, and also liked it a lot. Dude, Jeff? Not as much as number one. Good segues. High Thank five. You. Yeah, right on, buddy. What else? Uh, faithless number five. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Didn't read it. Uh, thumbs uh, three quarters up. So it was not the whole series. It was not as sexy. I'm I'm ready for. I, I thought this was the end, and I certainly hope there's one more issue. So that's well, episode this... 144 of the Perfectly Accessible podcast. Um, I don't know where that 30 minute discussion is going to go. Maybe just there'll be 10 seconds of silence at the end, and then we'll just add that on. Yeah, we could do that. You could release it as just a Frank Miller discussion. Frank. Frankly. About Miller. Frank, oh, wow. Perfectly acceptable podcast. Frank about Miller. Um, Pun. TM. Django. Well, I don't like being uh, negative. 144. Oh, farts and, and guts and blood and stuff. Um, October 3rd, we're doing a live show. We need you to come see us, come hang out with us. Honestly, it's not about us. It's about having a discussion about comic books and, and creating a place for people to talk about it. What I would love is for people to show up early, hang out, kind of ignore us while we're talking, and then hang out after we leave. It's more about creating an environment for a bunch of people who like comics and talking about it and hearing about it to get to actually interact with one another. It's not about us. It's about creating an You're environment leave for comic before books. 2 a.m.? That's not how bars work. Oh, God. Listen, Jeff. <laughs> you just got to stay there. They say last call, and you push it, and then you get a shot, like, after that. And you just, like, Pew! That's my buddy, I'm out of there. That's my, my, my buddy. There. Um, you can uh, give us a call, 1-619. I live close enough to stumble home. 663-7336. Hasn't been a problem for me yet. Listen, uh, give us a call. That would be great. You can give Django a ride home when he needs one. I don't need a ride. I walk. Yeah. <laughs> He's close enough to stumble Django and I got to walk together. <laughs> They're going to walk together, so I'm just going to make arm sure this arm podcast arm gets arm home arm safe. Arm and arm and arm and arm. 
Armin's home. Um, thanks for listening. 144 episodes. That's nothing to sniff at or sneeze at. Hey, uh, tell your mom to listen to us. Yeah, have people that you know listen to our podcast. That you would like be awesome. Your mom. Leave a review. That would be great. Um, it would be really great. Colette did a nice one. Jenga did an aggressive one. Now I'm just going to be the guy <laughs> talking over a couple drunk people. I'll do one, man. I'll do one right now for yeah, you if thanks, you want me buddy. to do one. You can do, I don't even like the government right controlling the weather. I want you to take that hand. I want you to grab Roman's me. boob. I want you to oh, grab that. Just oh, give it a squeeze oh, a little bit. All right, cool. Now start unbuttoning his shirt a little bit. Now oh, you, okay. over there in the corner, I need you to come over here. Who's over there? Run your finger through Roman's hair. Roman. Oh. Why is your hair in your mouth? Spit on Django's head and just sort of give it a spit shine there. Yeah, make it clean. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to us as always. And I will continue to corral these drunken idiots uh, every week and we'll make sure that there's a podcast for you. Yippee ki yay! Listen, Jeff, if you don't tell them who I am, I'm not gonna. I'm Django. And I'm Django. Sucker. (laughs) Roman? I'm Django too. Damn. This is a real tough one, everybody. This is the worst one we've ever done. Yeah. It's just kind of <laughs> gross. 144. 144. So bad. Gross. 144, Roman. <laughs>